and Egypt, Pharaoh wasn't happy with all of the Israelites because they were getting stronger. They were powerful. I mean, they were, they were starting to grow in numbers and in strength and in influence. So they really tried to squelch that. So they murdered a ton of babies. Moses survives through very unlikely scenario. He grows up. And then there's another murder that happens, except Moses is the one that does the murdering, right? And then he flees. So you have this like intense story going on, right? Then he sees a burning bush after he has, you know, a wife and children. He sees this burning bush come, come up, and God speaks to him. And then he goes back to Egypt, and then plague after plague after plague. And we read through those a couple weeks ago. Until we got to the last plague, where all these miraculous things are happening. And then, God comes down and kills all the firstborn of the land during the Passover. And if you know the story, soon there's going to be pillars of fire. There's going to be parting of the Red Sea. God's going to come down and speak onto a mountain. It's going to be huge. But he pauses in the middle of all of that and gives us the text that we're going to read today. He pauses in the middle of all of that chaos, all of those miracles, all of those crazily awesome and powerful things that God does here on this earth, and he stops and he says, hey, I have some instructions. I have some rules, I have some guidelines, I have some things I want you to do to remember and to obey my word. If God believes this to be important enough to stop in the midst of all of that, in the middle of them packing up all their stuff and literally walking out of Egypt, we should probably pay attention to what he is saying. So, as we start reading today, we're on that day. When Jesus, or I'm, I'm sorry, when God is telling them and getting them out of Egypt and they're literally walking away and then God comes down and stops and says, hey, listen up. Here's what I need you to know. So we'll pick it up in Exodus 12, verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it, it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. 
And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came, out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and, when it, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first opens of the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time when in time to come your sons ask you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Let us pray before we begin. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the perfect line that goes through the entire scriptures. The line that leads to Jesus. We thank you for all the prophecy. We thank you for all of the parallels. We thank you for all the pictures that you give us, the remembrance that you give us. We thank you for all of the things that you've instituted so that we can remember what you did for us. Lord, we thank you for 
gathering us here today to, to worship, to love. And Lord, we, we thank You for blessing us so. And Lord, today as we go through Your Scriptures, I pray that, um, that Your Word would be preached, that You would hide me behind the cross. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know You as their personal Savior, I pray that You would soften their heart. I pray that You would redeem them. I pray that You would save them and open their eyes. We love You so much, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, uh, we're going to go through three main points to show this remembrance and this obedience that is required of Christ. We're going to go over the institution of the Passover. We're going to go over the consecration of the firstborn. And we're going to go over the redemption power of God. That's the institution, the consecration, and the redemption. The institution... Verses 47 and 48, verses 47 and 48 of chapter 12. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no, and catch this, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. So only the circumcised covenant members can partake of the Lord's Supper. As I was. The Passover. There's just such a beautiful correlation there. I mix them up. I'm going to show you today the Old Testament and how it perfectly blends and points a picture to Christ and so, my uh, feeble mind, if I mix them up, I apologize. So, let's paint the picture here. If that's the rule, no uncircumcised person shall partake of it, and then he gave, gave some very specific things for sojourners, for people who are n not natives of the land, but they're with them, but they're not Israelites, but they're with them, so, that, so they're in, in their household for slaves, all those different things. Um, so we take that and we're like, oh yeah, okay, easy. We can follow those rules, no problem. But let's paint the picture here. In verse 37, just a couple verses above, they sojourned and there was 600,000 men on foot, besides the women and children and besides the mixed multitude. Because it wasn't just Israelites. There was other slaves. There was other people. There was even some e Egyptians that went along with them. So, there's this huge group of people. 600,000. If we combined Jacksonville, Olive Base, Richlands, Swansboro, Wilmington, we still wouldn't even get close to this number. And they didn't have... Instachat, Facegram, or whatever the, all that stuff is out there to get a hold of all these people. They had word of mouth. Like, that is amazing. Just an awesome feat. And God didn't tell them directly. He told Aaron and Moses. They had some good command and control going on there. They were able to get a hold of all of those people. 
as they're coming out of the land and give them this instruction. How? How? I'll tell you how. They were serious. They cared. They loved the Lord. They saw the miracles. And so they believed. And so they took what the word of the Lord, they took that and they took it seriously. They wrote it down. They prayed over it. They meditated on it. And they focused on it. And they ensured that they followed that word. And in verse 50 it says, All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded. All the people. All 600,000 plus women, children, and other sojourners. Estimates between one and a half to two million people. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now in verse 46, in verse 46, if we can bounce up there really quick, verse 46 says, It shall be eaten in one house, you shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. So you can't take it outside of your house, so, so no other people can partake. This is for the, the circumcised members, the covenant members, the Israelites. But why not break any of its bones? It's kind of odd. I mean, you're killing the animal. I've hunted before, killed animals, took the meat. Whether the bones were broken or not, it wasn't a big deal. Why not break any bones? Well, here's the link. Old Testament to New Testament. This is a picture. This is a perfect parallel of when we when they sacrifice the animal for that supper, it's a picture of Jesus. John 19, you don't have to go there, but John 19, 32 through 34 says, So the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him, meaning Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. So even a thousand plus years before, they were already writing and showing pictures and parallels to what Jesus would do on the cross thousand years later. So here you see that direct link between the Passover lamb and the shed blood of Jesus. The Passover lamb was meant to be eaten as a remembrance of what God did in Egypt. But it was also a symbol of what was going to happen through Jesus. He re reveals Jesus' coming throughout the Old Testament. And now, today, how does that apply? God is in control, but He also chooses to work through us. So we need to listen for God's direction and obey just as the Israelites did in this text. Because He loves us.
because He loves us. And He consecrated us. Second main point. So He, he has consecrated us. In chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Consecration. What does that mean? Webster's defines it as to make or declare sacred or dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose. So Israel is God's firstborn. In Exodus 4.22, Exodus 4.22, just a couple pages back, says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Israel is my firstborn son. And God here reminds us of his claim after sparing all of the firstborn sons in the Passover he reminds us of what He's doing through this consecration. Do you ever do this with your kids? Or has your father or mother done this with you? Remind you of things? Remind us on a regular basis? Hey, remember, pick that up. Hey, remember, brush your teeth. Hey, remember. That's what God is trying to do to us because He loves us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's good for us. So he reminds us. And then he puts things in place to get us to remember. He puts habits into place so that we continually remember his grace and his love. Just like we do with our kids. We put things in place to remind them of what to do. Because we love them and we know what's best for them. So the firstborn normally carry on maybe the family business. The firstborn are normally the ones that take over the country if the king has a firstborn. The firstborn is, you know, gets the, the birthright, the, the first take of the, the household of the kids. And Jesus is God's firstborn. So the link here of the Israelites being God's firstborn, and now Jesus comes and He is the firstborn. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 2, verses 22 and 23 says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Him, Him being Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord shall be holy to the Lord. So how does that apply to us today? Well, knowing that that consecration has gone through and now Jesus goes and dies on the cross, He paved the way for each and every one of us to become a new creature. To become one of God's children. So at salvation, you become a new creature. Behold, the old is passed away and the new comes forth. Praise the Lord. If you are one of these children, 
God has brought you into His family. He has adopted you into this family. And you have been redeemed. Which is my third main point. Redemption. Redemption. Some of us don't know exactly what that means, so there's two actual definitions of it. Redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Second definition, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing a debt. If that's not explaining what Christ did on the cross, I don't know what is. So, back to our text. Old Testament, verse 14 and 15, and now we're in chapter 13. Verses 14 and 15. And when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn, and this is important, don't miss this, but all the firstborn of my sons... I redeem. So he set this up so that when your sons come to you, you can tell them, well, I do this because God has redeemed and given the redemption power. So we do this in honor of Him. We do this to remember Him. It's powerful. The exchange, the payment, the clearing of debt. Being saved from the slavery in Egypt, or whether it's the slavery of sin, it's the same. The redeeming power of Christ coming forth and being that Lamb to save us. The blood of Christ. The perfect lamb of the Passover meal. It's one and the same. So whether it's the Passover, an exodus from Egypt, or a building of an altar with stones across a river, it is the same. It is a remembrance of what God has done for us in His redeeming power. And He is the only one with this redeeming power. And if you can turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 11, we can dive into this, or this redeeming power that God shows through the sacrifices of the Lamb, of the institution of the Passover, all the way through the consecration, and then to the redeeming power of the blood. Christ then, in the same way God did back in the Old Testament, Christ
teaches us and shows us and explains to us what we are to do in a remembrance of Him. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll read 20, verses 23 through 25. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way also He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So you see, the Passover meal, the institution of that Passover meal, and how it's instituted in the Old Testament, how the Israelites would do this, and obey and remember what God did for them. We do the same thing in now the New Covenant, in the New Testament, and today, as we follow the scriptures of 1 Corinthians explaining how we are to do this in remembrance of Jesus. How we are to take, partake of the Lord's Supper. How a baptized, believing member, a covenant member, can partake of the Lord's Supper and remember who Christ is and what He did for us on the cross. And to this day, the baptized believing Christian in good standing is to partake of the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of His blood, His body, that was sacrificed to redeem us from slavery. Not physical slavery of Egypt, but the slavery of sin. And we are to live victorious as Christians today. So you see, back to when I started, there was all this chaos happening. We had plagues, we had burning bushes, we had people dying, we had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people leaving a land. And God stopped and said, hey, this is important to remember, to obey what I have for you in my scriptures. Here are my rules for this, for this Passover, this institution of the Passover, for my consecration of the firstborn, and for the redemption power of God. The institution, the consecration, and the redemption power of God of God. And all are a perfect parallel from the Old Testament Passover meal into Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross and to what we are living today in the New Covenant. Let's pray as the musicians come up. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank You so much for allowing us to come here today to have your scriptures to have your word 
And Lord, I pray that you would give us the want, the desire, the will to obey your scriptures. To live in harmony with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that as we fall, as I know we always do, Lord, just give us grace and peace. Lord, help us to love one another better. Lord, help us to live the way You would have us to live. Lord, help us to give the, the due remembrance of You. Lord, help us to understand Your power. Help us to see Your grace through it. Lord, You have put together a beautiful red line through this entire book explaining, showing, guiding, and directing who Christ is, who You are. And Lord, I pray that You'd help us to see that red line throughout the Scriptures. Help us to see how perfectly You set up Your Word and Your actions here on this earth. And Lord, I pray that You'd help us to obey and remember You as such. Lord, we thank You so much for bringing us here today to worship You. And as we sing and we partake of the Lord's Supper, I pray that our, our hearts and our minds would be focused on nothing but You and to remember your greatness. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.